So welcome to another show. Today we have Jill Sitnik on, who's the founder of The Journey Sage, who works to demystify MDMA therapy for PTSD. So thanks for coming on the show, Jill. So, hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, we uh, we managed to coordinate time zones, so I'm super excited. That's it. It's, it's quite difficult, especially in summertime where it's generally GMT to Eastern time or Pacific time or whatever. And there's an hour difference that, that can mess up in the calendar, but we're, yeah. we're, we're all good. So we managed, we managed, yeah, we got it. Exactly. I mean, that's a bit, a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Demystifying MDMA therapy for PTSD. I mean, <laughs> for most people, they probably know what MDMA is and they know what PTSD is, but they've probably never thought about those in conjunction together. What makes that a match make in heaven? for example? <laughs> well, uh, very long story short, MDMA is a psychedelic that can, that has been proven in clinical trials to alleviate PDS, PTSD symptoms. It is now up for approval in the, in the United States for FDA approval, probably this summer. It's just been approved in Australia. And uh, the Veterans Association over here in the U.S. is also starting to think about their own clinical trials to deal with veterans with PTSD. I was lucky enough to go through the therapy to deal with child abuse trauma. And uh, I had all of the stigma when I first heard, well, it's a psychedelic. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, way too much neon kind of went to my mind. But after a year and three therapeutic journeys and then no longer qualifying for a PTSD diagnosis, I felt it was important to use that word demystify that MDMA is not this magical substance that creates crazy visuals and makes people do like weird things. It's on the street, it's called ecstasy or molly. It's an empathogen when it's used in a medical procedure the way it was for me, the way it is in the clinical trials, all of a sudden the mystery of the psychedelic part of it goes away. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm chatting with you today. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I had, I've literally just written those two words now, Molly and ecstasy, because I was going to say, well, actually, for most people, that's what they know it as. And they have this these connotations of, oh, well, when you go to a concert or a rave, you know, you take these things to feel euphoric, etc. And maybe it's quite difficult for people to understand, actually, much like other drugs out there as well, like cannabis that is used for recreational use, but also has its benefits as well. Right, and it's right. maybe trying to understand what those benefits are. So you've obviously been through some trauma and, and that's helped you. How did it help you specifically? Yeah, so what MDMA does, MDMA was uh, synthesized in the early 1900s. It's not a natural substance. It was made in a lab. And what it does for trauma patients like myself, and you're going to see me do this a lot, it actually calms the body down that you mentioned that feeling of euphoria, that feeling of connection. What MDMA does for trauma patients is it makes us more empathetic to ourselves, makes us more able to connect with the doctors with whom we are working. In my case, I was working with two doctors. And most importantly, it calms the body down. So a PTSD reaction is usually a physical reaction, heart pumping, palm sweating, stomach upset. I had extended PTSD symptoms. And for the first time in uh, that MDMA first journey, that first medical procedure, my, my shoulders were not up to my ears. My body was calmed down. 
And I was able to talk for the first time in a very calm manner, how I was a thousand percent sure that if my father was in the room, he'd have his hands around my neck. Cause that's what he did at a parent's conference with my mother. Like it basically calms down the fight or flight reaction enough for a patient to start dealing with some really scary, heavy material. So, so what you're saying is that MDMA dampens the amygdala, I think it would be, the fight or flight response, enough to let you sort of go in and understand what's going on in there. Is that is that fair to say? Well, so I don't, the interesting thing is that during a journey, which can last anywhere from five to eight hours, and I'm using the terminal, terminology journey to represent a medical procedure versus a trip, which would be more recreational. So during the journey, I can't say I remember a whole lot, like five hours to me felt like 45 minutes. We did record um, two out of my three journeys. We had a technical glitch in my middle journey. <laughs> but so I kind of know what happened, but I can't say that I remember a whole lot of it. The real power of this healing modality is afterward. And so I'm always going to hold my hand up that after the journey, the days, weeks, and months after, I was able to like go in, like what you just said, kind of go in and, and look at some really tough memories. But I was seeing them from like here. It wasn't like in here. I was seeing them. And suddenly from, you know, this happened to me in my late 40s, my late 40s, I'm looking at this going on saying, hey, wait a minute, the universe is not against me. My father was just a jerk for beating up a little girl. Maybe all this fear that I have of the universe, this PTSD, this PTSD symptoms is really just because I had a jerk of a father. And that's what it does. It gives you a little bit of a distance your body is calm. You can look at the situation in a different way and reframe it. So is it like a, a fly on the wall, out of body kind of experience where you're looking at it from a bird's eye view, I suppose? Yeah. You know what? You know how I say it? Um, you know, if you're watching a television show or a movie and somebody and the actor or actress is dealing with, you know, a potential break in and you're seeing them panic and they're getting the baseball bat or whatever they're doing and your emotional attachment is like a one or a two. But if somebody was trying to break into your house or your apartment in the middle of the night, your emotional reaction would be a 10. So before the MDMA, my emotional reactions were at a 10. My body was all up upset. With MDMA during my healing with certain memories, it was like I was that actor and my emotional connection was like at a one or two and I could be far more. How many times have we yelled at the character to like not do something in the house, right? On TV. <laughs> yeah, turn around or run that way or whatever. Right, right. Whereas, you know, in real life we do crazy, you know, who knows what we would do if somebody was actually trying to come into our home. So that's what it is. It definitely puts a little bit of distance and, and yeah, that emotional reaction is not nearly as severe. So, so what you're saying as well is just to bring that back to your previous point, is it, it was the after effects of the, the, the journey that that lasted. It's quite interesting that you've you've had a few sort of journeys. I keep trying to I keep always saying the word trip, but you're trying to just make a distinction between the two. Um yes. so so what you're saying is just having that treatment over a short period of time has had a lasting effect. It's not a case of taking paracetamols where you know, you need to take some to dampen the pain and then you have to take 
two next time because you've become, you know, um, your tolerance has increased, let's say, or the pain is still there. Yeah, yeah. You're saying it's a one-off, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's like a one-off treatment that will give you the ability to get beyond whatever was affecting you at that point of time indefinitely. Well, so I think it's super important to pay attention to diagnosis when you're talking about the length of treatment. So I was a thousand percent diagnosed with PTSD. I was, when I came to my therapist with this issue, I was suicidal. I didn't see a point in living and, um, and everything on the surface was great. Like there was no reason for this panic. So with that kind of diagnosis, uh, according to the clinical research and my experience, it will take two or three sessions. I had three sessions over the course of a year. And what that basically means is that I just had a whole lot of capital T trauma to work through. I still am like working through different trauma, but I, at the end of that third one, I no longer qualified for that PTSD level of uh, symptoms. So if you aren't if you aren't diagnosed with PTSD, but you know, you know, you have some things to get over. Yeah. One therapeutic journey might be all you need. If you're someone like me, who was kind of like marinated in abuse and neglect for the first 20 years of her life, you might need a little bit more. And the clinical trials are saying at maps.org, M-A-P-S.org, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, they're the ones that did the clinical research that the FDA is now looking at their protocol is three sessions. So so we know about what happens. As you said, this is what you felt and this is how it works in terms of diagnosis. Maybe it's one session, two sessions, three sessions. Three is obviously yeah. the idea, as you said. The question is, is, do we know how it works? You've talked about the clinical trials. Have they just seen a causation correlation? Because obviously that's a fallacy, isn't it? Sometimes the correlation is not always the causation of something. And they found this relationship that does work, but do they understand how it works yet or, or not? Yeah. So it's funny you ask that because there's all this talk about the release of serotonin and uh, calming down the amygdala and, and all this other kind of stuff with big, giant, fancy research terms that Jill Sitnik does not know. <laughs> I was an English major. And I made, you know, I did a little bit of research online. I threw a couple of YouTube uh, videos together on my website, thejourneysage.com, just to kind of answer some of those questions. You can also, if you're super, super, super into the research, like you like reading research papers, the, na the, journey, uh, the journal Nature is where MAPS published all of their data. And, uh, you know, if you can dig into those multisyllabic words, multisyllables, I always say multisyllabic, if you can dig into that vocabulary, you can see all of the research and start to get an understanding of how it works. But I'm sorry, I'm a patient. Same way, like I drive the car, but I can't fix the car. That's how I am with this. No, I mean, it wasn't the case of, you know, you, uh, you explaining the sciences. It was a question is, do we, is is there an answer? Do they know? Or is it just a case of, as I said, press this button, oh. this happens. Oh, it must, it must work. We don't know how it works, but it does work. Oh, no, I think with MDMA, there's been enough. This is my opinion. There's been enough research understanding how the chemical reaction in the brain allows the trauma patient to calm down and 
continue to work through memories. I think it's fascinating that during the integration time that the brain is still kind of so neuroplastic that it continues after the actual journey. I think that's the part that I find fascinating. But um, I would say there's a lot of questions about other psychedelics much more than MDMA, simply because MDMA has more research behind it that's been published. Like how does, you know, I, I don't want to start listing off different uh, psychedelics. There are questions about how certain things get done, but I think with MDMA, they have a decent idea. Do you have experience with or um, deal with any other psychedelics? So um, psilocybin, mushrooms, ayahuasca, mm -hmm. as an example, are those similar treatments as well, or, or do you not sort of know much about those? Oh my gosh, that is an amazing question. Okay, so get ready. All right, so my first three journeys with my doctors were basic MDMA. My third journey needed a little bit of psilocybin. And I purposely wrote in my memoir about the mental block I had and how a tiny dose of psilocybin, magic mushrooms, helped me deal with a pretty strong trauma point. Since my treatment, uh, I have certainly worked with psilocybin, magic mushrooms, Psilocybin is great for kind of like a, you need to kind of clear the cobwebs out. Something's kind of bugging you. You're not exactly sure what it is. You take a medium dose and you have a whole bunch of insight. I have also last year, I went on a psychedelic uh, tourism kind of retreat and I experienced DMT for the first time. And that was lovely. I had again, set yeah. and setting. I knew I was safe. Everything was good. Was that in, in DMT form or in ayahuasca form with like a shaman, for example? It was with a shaman, but it was smoked. It was not an ayahuasca experience. I'm a little afraid of being sick ayahuasca. for eight hours with ayahuasca, to yeah, be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's a lot longer, isn't it, ayahuasca, in terms of instead of just being a, a, a few minutes or half Quick. an hour, it's, it's like an eight hour, you know, you're stuck in this mainframe computer, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um. Well, anyway, I won't talk about my opinion about ayahuasca. But then very recently, I have experienced uh, five MEO-DMT. And I'm actually going on a retreat, uh, again, tourism, um, psychedelic tourism, for five MEO. And I set a, the, the, the healing, the trauma healing, MDMA, your trauma's over here and you're looking at it, five MEO-DMT, I was actually in the memory. Like I was literally looking at my father yelling at me. I was in the memory and I was realizing, oh, this is why I act certain ways, this behavior right here, what my father's doing. Oh, and so because of that experience, I'm actually going to be doing a presentation in May at PsychCon in Las Vegas, the differences in trauma healing from a patient's point of view between MDMA and 5-MeO-DMT, because I think it's, fascinating and there's no real research yet on 5-MeO-DMT but what I found and experienced in terms of trauma healing was fascinating so I love this topic but I'll stop talking because I can talk about it forever <laughs> it sounds um the so you mentioned revisiting that memory and actually mm -hmm. experiencing it it reminds me of the Heraclitus quote I don't know if you're aware of it it says no man ever steps in the same river twice for it's not the same river and he's not the same man so because you've visited it back, you're you're no longer the same person you were back then. That's the Heraclitus quote. 
And it really reminds me of that because when you visit the same school you used to go or you see the ex you used to go out with or you or you see um, the friends you used to, to, to grow up with or you see the city you were born in, you look at it back with your new perspective and it gives you such a different viewpoint. And I think that's what you're alluding to is saying you went back and you actually realised the mistakes of your reaction to it that's had knock-on effects of where you are today. Is that fair to say? Yes. I saw as a 16-year-old how I internalised my father yelling me and, and the conversation at the time, what, what he said and what I internalized and going back to that river. I love that quote. I'm going to find that quote, by the way, that is awesome. Going back with my 53 year old eyes going, Oh, I totally understand why a 16 year old would have interpreted this this way, but that's really not the way it was. And tremendous healing. Tremendous. Yeah. It's, it's amazing when you do look back at things and it's, it's so, it's so frustrating as a, um, it's it's a case of like you wish you knew at that point what you knew now, but you don't. You, yeah. It's impossible because you can't because you have to go through that to then be where you are. So it's like a dichotomy. Um, it's yeah. it's really it's really strange. There is another quote, something like we we get wise too late, basically in in life, and we get, <laughs> and we get old and we get old and we get old too fast. We get here. Too, I'll throw another one at you. My therapist likes to say that we are all children wrapped in layers. Exactly. A hundred percent agree. It's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. So, so you've, you've had an experience with all of these different psychedelics and you're a real advocate for the MDMA treatment. I'm an advocate. Yes. What, because why, it works. What, why, why that as opposed to some of these other ones that you've also tried? Oh, because I hadn't all of, uh, Everything else I've tried has happened way since my treatment. My treatment was in 2020. Uh, the treatment, the treatment that I went through with my doctors, it was a hard, hard year. I mean, this was not fun. This was lots of tears, lots of isolation, lots of loneliness, lots of healing. And when I came out of my third journey, I knew work had been done, but again, you really don't remember it per se. And, um, I just said, I have to be candid. I use the word privilege. I had this privilege of having access to this therapy before it was approved and wildly available. And too many people, myself included before this therapy have this incredible stigma around, around drugs in general and psychedelics. And I just felt a real responsibility. And I, in life, I was able to take the opportunity, write a book, do my content stuff. Like I've had the privilege of being able to use my voice to talk about the patient experience and help other people. I've always been a mission-driven person. And so that's why I advocate for it. It works and I have the ability to do so. Yeah, I love how you said about the stigma of drugs because people are, you know, very happy to take paracetamols when if you take over like eight times a daily limit you can die but you won't get that with some of these other drugs but yet the stigma is there because i don't know whether it's mainstream media or whether it's the fact that it's a doctor prescribing you a legal drug dealer whatever you want to call it so once they get past that stigma how do you help people because obviously you've had your experience you are now where you are and you are yep. now helping people to, to to get past their own trauma and look there are people who have got much worse traumas than other people, but everyone ha does have their own trauma. We are who we are because of what we've been through. We are some of our experiences, et cetera. So are you reaching out to everyone or just those people with real severe 
um, PTSD diagnosis? Um, you know, I think that's a really good question. So first of all, I agree with you. There is no ladder of trauma. And there's also things that could be super traumatic to me because I didn't have great parents that isn't super traumatic to somebody who actually had a, a full family around them. But then the other side of it is I've been so used to being on my own. Something might happen to me that I don't find traumatic because I'm used to just kind of getting up and somebody else the first time they're dealing with something alone. It could be super like there's no ladder. There's no hierarchy. Trauma is trauma. If you feel something in your body, you have a physical reaction you're probably dealing with some sort of trauma. And so zero judgment on that. I think what's happening is that the people who are reaching out to me, uh, because again, it's not yet FDA approved. I think there's going to be a lot more questions of people reaching out once it's actually available in the US. And we don't have a lot of Americans heading over to Australia right now. <laughs> and now Australia just got started. Um, I think what's happening is people are looking at my content on YouTube and they're kind of surprised the way I was that the physical symptoms represent trauma. Like I was just always like a super A plus, hardworking, kind of anxious person, but I had no idea it was trauma. And so I think I'm helping people understand that. And then most importantly too, you know, once this therapy becomes available, there's going to be lots of marketing. There's lots of venture capitalists who are working actively on psychedelics for mental health. I'm just a person who went through the therapy and can explain in layman's views, how you prepare, what it could be like, expect some resistance. Don't think that after one week, you're ready for another session after a week, like integration is important. Like I'm somebody who can explain the whole cycle and I think that's where my value is, regardless of if somebody is like me that has a PTSD diagnosis or somebody who just is has gone through some stuff and really needs a little bit of help right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because you mentioned that when you went through it, you didn't really remember what happened. But did you do you remember the feeling? I know you might not remember the whole experience. It's like, you know, when you've had a few too many drinks, you don't remember the whole night, but you can remember at points how you felt and little sort of nuggets of of, of memory, essentially. Do, do you have something similar with that? Yes. So MDMA, so Rick Doblin, who runs uh, MAPS, has described MDMA as like a warm hug. And in a therapeutic session, I remember for the very first time actually feeling comfortable with my body. Like I was allowed to exist in that room with my doctors. I know that sounds funny, but most of my life, I didn't actually feel like I was supposed to be here. I really thought it was an accident that I even existed. So I had this feeling of comfort. I heard my inner voice for the very first time. I know from the recording so we recorded, um, well, we tried all three, but again, we had a glitch with the second one. We recorded, voice recorded on my phone. And so hearing myself talk, I wasn't, wasn't slurring my words. I was as clear as I am now. I would say, but I'm also a chatty person. So for my journeys, definitely feeling very comfortable, really engaging with my guide and my therapist. My guide was a medical doctor. And then alternating and putting on an eye mask and just kind of relaxing. And there's a phrase of just letting the medicine work. 
And, you know, I like to say, this is my language. I like to say that the medicine kind of marinated in my brain and found the memories that needed to be healed. Totally unscientific. That's Jill language. <laughs> um, but it's, it was definitely, you know, I needed whenever I needed to run to the restroom, cause it was like five to eight hours, depending on the length of journey. My first one was five, the subsequent two were eight. So whenever I had to run to the restroom, I may have needed a steadying hand, but, um, None of the normal psychedelic, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, seeing sound, nothing like that. Totally just a calmness in my system. Far, far less exciting than people want to hear it. Trust me. <laughs> it, well, it, it sounds to me like it would be, and I don't want to put any sort of um, preference on who it would benefit, but for me, it sounds like it would benefit introverts more than extroverts because introverts don't tend to talk as much and for someone to if they have de uh, dealt with trauma before and they've never spoken about it at all because they are fairly introvert don't really have social circles for them it must be absolutely huge to actually get rid of that fear response be able to open up with pure relaxation and really get some of those issues out because what, what i tend to find is people who are extrovert are more likely to speak about their problems a bit more often to friends and family and that may reduce the issue the, the sort of the issues that have arisen with them um the next point i want to make is coming back to what you said earlier about going into your memory have you watched harry potter before with the pensieve where they take memories and they go back and visit them it reminds yeah. me oh of that God. oh my gosh i'm totally going to use that as a video idea now yes exactly it's like he goes back and he goes back and looks at it from perspective and he, he can re keep revisiting it and yeah. take on new ideas about what's happened and yes. add that to his collection essentially and it just popped into my head uh, a couple of minutes ago so i wrote it down and said harry potter pensieve i forgot the name of the actual i'm thing. totally gonna steal that <laughs> that's, that's what it, that's what we're here for share ideas um, and i think that's a really good analogy it Coming is back to your it inner voice um is that something that has stayed with you since that treatment or was it just there at that particular time? Actually, that's a great question. I didn't realize that my whole life, my body was kind of in a fight or flight mode and I had never really heard an inner voice then. And it was funny because <laughs> when I first started hearing the voice, my inner voice uh, during the journey, I remember saying to my therapist, I'm hearing this really smart woman and she's a little snarky and she's kind of telling me it's time to kind of live for, you know, myself. And, you know, my therapist smiled knowing it was my inner voice. I was totally clueless about who this was, but yes, I've retained the ability to kind of listen to my intuition and hear my, and calm my body down and kind of listen to my inner voice. Yeah. It was, but it was the first time I had really heard her which was fascinating. Yeah, I think intuition is a, is a, is a massive thing. Uh, I was reading, uh, what's it, what was it called? Um, have you heard of Ralph Walder Emerson? Yes, I was an English major. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, he, but he, he's, got a, he's got a paper that um, that talks about all of these sorts of things. Intuition, making sure that you listen to your inner voice, being authentic and all of these sorts of things. And I was reading it and it made so much sense, as you said you know sort of your body can tell you certain things that no one else can tell you you're looking for this get rich quick scheme or please give me a process of where i need to go next 
your body does that, doesn't it? If you're if you know to pay attention to it, but PTSD people are people with a ton of trauma who have for a good number of years have hidden their own emotions to be able to adapt to the people around them. I was incredibly codependent. I didn't have my own emotions. I paid attention to the emotions that my parents were in to avoid getting hurt. So it's hard to be yourself if all you're focused on is somebody else's emotions. And so when suddenly I didn't have to do that, that intuition shows up and yeah, it can show up in a variety of ways. It can show up negatively. Like you're doing something and you know, you shouldn't. So your stomach's upset or the other way of you're doing something that you're supposed to be doing that feels great. And you're kind of in the flow and time just disappears. Yeah. It, the, the, the article was called, or the, the paper was called self-reliance and it just touches on what you just said there. You need to be self-reliant and work on what you think. And that's that's what's key. And from what you said, this experience helps you to get back in touch with yourself and have less distractions about uh, where you are. And it maybe puts you back on the path. I was no longer living my life by three-year-old Jill. Three-year-old Jill doesn't really know anything about life. She just knows that life is scary and the universe is bringing bad things. But, you know, adult Jill understands things way differently. And so the MDMA therapy kind of took took toddler Jill out of the driver's seat and put adult Jill back into the driver's seat. So is it something that you would, do you feel like you've got the full benefit of, of that treatment now? Or was, is it something that you may revisit in the future if you feel that any sort of additional trauma has come into your life or or oh. just that you wanted to maybe... So this is the way I think about things as well. So when people are ill, they take, they start eating fruit, they start eating vegetables to get them mm -hmm. back to health. It's yep. basically um, a, a, reactive, a, react, react, a, a, a reactive measure to get themselves back to being healthy. Whereas uh -huh. if you do that before you get ill, you are then at a peak state. Is it maybe a case of doing that as well? Um, That's not been my experience. But I'll give you an example. I In October, just last year, uh, I had a situation that brought me some emotional flashbacks. I had never had emotional flash flashbacks before. I lost my partner of over 20 years, about seven years ago. And I thought I was doing fine with my grief work. I, I don't know if grief work is ever finished, but I had a situation pop up in life that brought me back to the night that my partner died. And I was having a pretty strong panic attack, hyperventilation, everything. And ultimately I called and like the next day. I was like, I am reliving the death of my partner over this separate loss that I had. That was like, this loss was like a level one. And I was responding to it like a level 10. I called a friend of mine. I said, would you please sit with me during an MDMA journey? Because I clearly have a trauma point that I need to resolve and uh, this person did, he came over. I kind of relived the night that my partner died. The day after my partner died, I saw that I had a huge trauma point. I have been healing that. I would not, in my opinion, like just, you know, every six months, just having an MDMA journey would not have healed that trauma point. For me, I need to have life kind of happen and have things kind of come to the surface that I knew I have to heal.
Does that help explain? Yeah, so you need to wait until there's a a a a sort of a crossroads where things have all built up as opposed to just continually um you need you basically need a, I, a, I think the example I would use there so you know in in America if or in the states you you generally have your post box at the end of the drive mm -hmm. if you went to your post box every day you don't need to clear it out anymore but if you left if you were on holiday for 6 months and it was full of letters you need to open it up clear it out and start again and I think that's what maybe what you're saying. It needs to be more of a build up to for the treatment to be effective as opposed to just continuing to, you know, clear out your letterbox every day. Yeah. And I think it's super important to delineate a major capital T trauma that needed an MDMA journey to calm my body down. My body was in. I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping. I mean, my body was in the trauma of my partner's death. That's where I was. Versus, eh, I'm feeling a little stressed out. Things are kind of, I don't understand kind of why I'm acting a certain way or a certain pattern. Let me do a very, a small psilocybin journey, uh, even trip. Let me do a quick little psilocybin journey, clear the cobwebs, get some clarification, um, there are people who, you know, are on some sort of routine, you know, every six months or every three months, they're going to do a journey just so they continue to clear the cobwebs. I haven't found for me that I need any sort of schedule. So I guess it's more a matter of who you talk to, but definitely MDMA for me is like when I know when my body is kind of flipping out, that's when I know I need that. Yeah. We, we have a closure circuit in our brain, you know, like if, um, I would say I've got to tell you something and I never told you it would bug you for ages until you got that closure. And it's the same with, ev with everything. Sometimes we have this, uh, this trauma because we haven't physically dealt with what happened and we haven't got the clarity of what's going to happen beyond that. And when, as you said, with the MDMA, you revisit, keep revisiting it until you've actually got past that level in some respects, it then allows you to move on. And something I use as a, as a coach is to say, well, whatever is bothering you, and maybe maybe you don't want to tell anyone about it, why don't you just write it down on a piece of paper, write down all your issues, and then burn it. Yeah. And it's a psychological way of saying, look, I've dealt with that now. And I don't know about you, when when you're in a meeting, or uh, I, I saw you write down some stuff there as well, as we talk, as, as am I, as you, as you can see. Mm -hmm. when, when we need to think correctly we need to write down one one word or two words to, to say to our mind that we've dealt with that now we can continue to focus whereas if you didn't yeah. write it down all you'd be thinking about is remembering that that thing and i think it's understanding of how our mind works and how to best use that to continue to improve or to get rid of past trauma as you said yeah yeah well and you know it's interesting you talk about writing it down and throwing it out kind of thing what I found fascinating, I had kind of forgotten my teaching training that like repetition is what we need to learn. I journaled easily 10 to 15 times per memory I was healing. So like the metaphorical writing down and throwing things away, it took me 10 to 15 times of writing before I could literally metaphorically throw it away because all of my journals are on my computer. <laughs> so I couldn't throw anything away, but that's how long it took for that cycle for me to kind of retrain my brain, retrain the way to think. Yeah. But it's, as you said, it's, 
whether it takes you one time or 15 times or 100 times, it's until you understand and it's the clarity that yeah. you've achieved um, that's, that's important. And everyone's different. Some people might take only four times, some people 10 times. And as we know, right. Right. and I'll use the example of learning a few French words, for some people it might take them a thousand times to learn bonjour is hello, just the way it goes, unfortunately. Right, right. Me, right. it would take a hundred. <laughs> Well, maybe have some MDMA and learn it, and might help you to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, it would be nice if it worked that way. I'm not quite sure. We'll have to have more clinical trials to see if it works that way. <laughs> Absolutely. So, how can people uh, reach out to you and, and arrange treatments or assistance from yourself? I know you've got a book out as well. How can they sort of reach out and 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 get copies of that? Yeah. Well, so Rescuing Jill is my memoir that I walk people through my year of healing. I also wrote a workbook. If any of your listeners are doing any sort of psychedelics on their own for their own mental health, or they're going on a psychedelic tourism kind of trip, I have, I mean, literally like a trip somewhere to another country. I have a workbook to help people out because I saw people who weren't quite sure about psychedelics kind of not be happy during the journey, during the, the um, retreat that I was on. So over at Amazon rescuing Jill, but uh, at journey sage on YouTube and my, my website, the YouTube is really where I'm answering the questions and helping people out. The treatment is not available yet. So I'm not in any way, shape or form offering the treatment or scheduling treatment. I'm simply just providing information for people so that they can be ready for when it's available. Okay, okay that's that's that sounds fair um yeah. is there any sort of comments that we've maybe not talked about that you really want to sort of drive home for people or any final messages no no i think you had some really great great questions i know i'm stealing that river quote in a heartbeat and you know if there's no matter what whenever i talk about this this subject, people have questions, people are free to reach out to me. They can comment on YouTube. They can reach out to me on my website, but more and more information is coming out. This is not just Jill speaking. So an internet search can lead to a ton of information too. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Jill. I've learned a lot myself. I've, as, as always, I don't know if you can see, I've written some notes down. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I think, you know, whether it's a podcast for, for guests or each other, we always learn things from each other. And that's a great thing about life is that every day we learn something and, and we want to get as, as the, um, as the sort of cliche goes, 1% better every day. Absolutely. No, this was a delight. You are clearly educated on uh, some of this subject matter. So it's a delight to talk to somebody who's got some insight. So thank you. Thank you very much, Joe.